Welcome to the Sunday Sermon Podcast of First United Methodist Church in Opelika. We'd love for you to join us for worship each Sunday at 8.30 or 11 a.m. To learn more about First United Methodist, visit us online at fumcopelika.org or follow us on Instagram or Facebook at fumcopelika. Thanks for tuning in. reading this morning comes from the book of Hebrews, the 12th chapter. If you have your Bible with you this morning, I want to invite you to turn with me there. Hebrews is about 95% of the way through the Bible. If you get to Revelation, just back up some to the left. If you're still in First and Second Corinthians, keep going to the right. If you don't have your Bible with you, I want to invite you to grab one off the hymnal shelf in front of you or to use your phone, whatever you need to have a copy of the scripture. This morning, I'll be reading Hebrews 12 verses 1 through 4. And out of reverence for God's word, would you stand with me now as we listen together for the word of the Lord? Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. You may be seated. Pray with me, please. Almighty God, we praise you for your word, but we praise you that it does not return void, and that as it is shared and read and proclaimed together that your spirit is at work, we invite you now to come and be our guide, that you would lead us into all truth, that you would work deep inside of us uh, on the surface and at levels we don't even know need addressing, or that through your work in this moment that you would draw us more closely to yourself that we might walk and live as lifetime followers of Jesus in all we do. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As Patrick mentioned a few moments ago, uh, today begins the next chapter of our fourth quarter mindset. Over the last uh, three months of 2021, we are uh, seeking to emulate uh, some football teams in our area, but not all of them. Uh, that uh, as our high school football teams did on Friday night, they all uh, used the fourth quarter mindset well, that they reached that fourth quarter of the game and that hand went up in the air. And you know what that means. You've seen it happen, uh, where in that fourth quarter, all of a sudden the team says, everything that's happened up to this point, we're going to put behind us. Uh, The good, the bad, the hard, the struggles, we're not worried about what has been. But we are focused on together unifying ourselves, unifying our action, pulling deep from within, that over the course of that last quarter of the game, that they can finish well. Uh, As Patrick mentioned, we believe that 2022 will be a monumental year in the life of First United Methodist Church. But to make us ready for 2022, uh, we want to finish 2021 well. Uh, In the month of October, we spent time thinking about serving, and I echo Patrick's uh, appreciation and gratitude for the way that you've responded to that. If you have not yet had the chance to fill out a serving card. Our goal is that 100% of the people who call First United Methodist Church their home 
uh, would find a way to serve regularly uh, in 2022. Uh, today, we uh, turn the page into a new chapter where uh, we'll make another commitment, where we'll think about giving, where we'll begin to invest ourselves and what it looks like to share in this work that is happening. Uh, as Patrick mentioned, the card that you have may be different than what you're used to. This would be the time of the year where normally we would do a stewardship campaign. Uh, and come March, uh, as we are uh, more ready to focus on the big project of renovation and that kind of thing, we're going to talk a lot about what's involved and financially what it looks like for us as a church uh, to be good faithful stewards who give to God. But that's not what this card is about. Uh, as Patrick mentioned, we are interested in your heart. Uh, lifetime followers of Jesus are generous. Uh, and so we want to invite you into a season of prayer over the next couple of weeks to think about what it looks like for you to honor God uh, in the way that's appropriate with what He has first given to you. Uh, and then as we come back in Advent, uh, we'll take one more commitment where we will commit to be fully present uh, in 2022, where we'll look at what it means to be fully present in worship and in growth, uh, and we'll take steps to help us all be ready for all that God wants to do. I am just deeply convinced that if we will all make those three commitments together, to serve, to give, and to be fully present, uh, that we will get to the end of 2022 and we'll have seen God renovate this room, uh, but we'll have seen God do something bigger in the life of our church, that He will have renovated our church, that He will have renovated our hearts, uh, and that we will find ourselves prepared for a season and generation of ministry that we can't even begin to imagine right now. But before we get too far down the road, uh, we need to think uh, about a few things before that. Uh, all of the, the moves that will happen are, are uh, driven by the fact that we're going to renovate this space. Some of you who may be newer to the church uh, may not know that that's actually in the works, that that's what all of this fourth quarter mindset is leading us to, uh, that we believe that beginning in January, uh, we will spend 10 months out of this room where we will renovate this entire building. Uh, it's going to cause some logistical nightmares for us on a Sunday morning. And that's the kind, gracious way to say it. Uh, we know already that when we move to our fellowship hall for worship for approximately 40 weeks, uh, that we're going to max out the capacity of that building quickly. We know already that our 945 hour, where our Sunday school for children uh, and our adult Sunday schools are all meeting, and those are all already uh, close to capacity, that we're going to have some space issues and some shifting around issues, uh, and, and we're going to have to think about that. Our hope uh, is that by the time we get to Thanksgiving, that we'll be able to uh, uh, put out into the congregation a schedule and the way that we think Sunday mornings will look and what ministry will look like uh, as we step into kind of the chaotic season that will come to the renovation. But even before we get into the logistics and the details and the commitments and the give cards, uh, there is a bigger thing that we should focus on for just a few minutes this morning. Uh, and that is the most important question. Why? Uh, if you've uh, been a fan of watching TED Talks, then perhaps you've seen Simon Sinek's TED Talk, which is one of the most popular ones that has ever come out. Uh, and in his research, what he has said is that a group of people will never commit to the what or the how unless they know the why. Uh, that without the why, without that challenging motive, without that thing that fuels them, that they'll never move into the place of being willing to take big steps, of risky steps, of audacious goals that they can come after. And so for the next few weeks, uh, more than the give card, more than uh, thinking about what the logistics of next year will look like, I want us to, to spend a few minutes thinking about why we would do this. 
Why would we go through all that will come with disrupting our lives to move out of the space? Why would we invest the money that it will take to, to radically transform this building both structurally and mechanically and cosmetically and technologically? Uh, why would we go through all that will be involved in that to do this? What is the reason for all of this renovation talk to begin with? Goldilocks and the Three Bears is by some considered to be the most popular children's story of all time. Uh, that in all kind of variations and in all kind of languages, uh, that there are literary scholars who believe that there is no children's story that is told more frequently or more regularly or more consistently than Goldilocks and the Three Bears. You know the story. You know uh, the young lady who uh, finds herself into a walk in the woods and comes across the house of some anthropomorphic bears who have, uh, for whatever reason, decided to leave their home amid the, the, the middle of breakfast uh, and walk out into the woods. And so Goldilocks makes her way into the house. As Goldilocks finds her way around the house, uh, she begins to try out all the different things that she comes across in the home. She uh, samples the chairs and the beds and the porridge. And, and with all three of the things that she samples, there is this uh, repetitive cycle that she goes through. Uh, in everything that she tries, there is something that is too far of an extreme. It is too much. It is too hot. It is too hard. It is too soft. And, and then on the other end of the spectrum, there's something that doesn't measure up, that is not quite good enough yet, that it's not hot enough, that it's not soft enough, that it's not firm enough. Uh, but inevitably what happens in all of the things that Goldilocks tries uh, is that she is looking for the thing and that she ultimately settles on and declares that one of the options is just right. Uh, that everything about it measures up to her satisfaction, that it meets her desire for comfort, that it finds her right where she is. And so over and over again in the story, she finds the thing that is just right. Now, literary scholars will tell you that there are hundreds of interpretations that you can make of uh, the fairy tale of Goldilocks, that there are all kinds of things, but one of the themes that rises to the top uh, that they say is present that makes the story of Goldilocks so appealing and so easy for us to relate to is that Goldilocks embodies something that all of humanity struggles with, and that is a just right mentality. That we live in a world, that we apply this to every aspect of our lives, that we want lives that are just right. Uh, that when we find ourselves in all kinds of situations, we will go to any lengths that we can uh, to not be at some extreme, to not be disoriented, to not be uncomfortable, uh, to not be at the place where things aren't measuring up, where they're not really what they wish they would be. That we will work diligently to make sure that the, the, the parameters of our life, the circumstances of our life, the variables that we can control, that they are all just right. I mean, you can see this by looking at the world around us. Uh, the consumeristic mind that would say you can buy your way to contentment. Uh, you can see advertisers and all kinds of things who say, if you'll just get this, then everything will be okay. Uh, you can see it as you pursue one more client or one more job or one more uh, vacation or trip away. You can see it if you're a student of how you look to go, if I could just get one more group of friends or one more extracurricular activity or uh, interest from this group of people, we're always looking and thinking about what more do we need so that ultimately everything will be just right. If you don't see it maybe as clearly as you look at the world like that, at what people chase to make everything just right, just think about what happens when you find yourself in a place where you perceive that everything isn't just right. We will go to inordinate lengths almost immediately to, to stop, change, uh, uh, get over, numb, get away from, whatever it takes, anything that provides discomfort or disorientation in our lives. 
Uh, you can look at the medical industry. You can look at the, the medicine. You can look at uh, health and fitness. You can look at uh, video gaming. You can look at smartphones. You can look at all these things that we use as tools to try and do everything we can to stop any moment in our life that might not be just right. Uh, it's amazing how prevalent this is and how much it works. And for many of you, you are experiencing it in this very moment right now. Because you've just heard me say that there is something in our world that maybe you go, hmm, I don't really like that. And there's a little voice in your head that went, oh, that's not you. Uh, oh, that's for other people. Oh, you've already done that. You're beyond that. You've graduated past that. You're old enough now, so you know that's not really how things is. Because that's the whole thing is that subconsciously, internally, we do everything we can to resist anything that kind of breaks the status quo, that shuffles us out of our comfort zone, and that moves us to this place where things aren't good enough. Interestingly, this culture of our world where we try and make everything be just right, we end up downloading it into the way that we live our faith. Uh, and just as a general rule of thumb, if you want to know good ways to not live your faith out, it's to take the cues from the world around us and say, we'll just apply that to following Jesus. Because inevitably what we do is that we begin to think our faith should mirror this just right mindset too. Uh, that everything about it should be calm and comfortable and that when anything disorients us any, we should push away from it, we should check out, we should bulldoze it, we should do whatever we can to make it go away. And the problem is that we end up missing some of the greatest things that God wants us to know when we live in this place of thinking that our faith should always just kind of be this even keel status quo place as well. I mean, there are people who live their Christian faith believing that if they'll just do their part, uh, that their faith is kind of like a, a magic bullet. Uh, that if they'll do their part, it should be what makes their life just right. Uh, and so if they do their part, if they attend religious activities, if they commit themselves to follow Jesus, if they say the right things or give the right things or do the right things, uh, and that misses all of that. And you may hear that and you go, that seems so simplistic. That seems so basic that someone would view their faith that transactionally. But you can look at the history of the church and see that this plays out over and over and over again. That what we find is that people end up changing churches like they're riding a merry-go-round uh, because inevitably things get unsettled and they're like, I need to go and find somewhere else where things are just right. Uh, that we see people who kind of check out and figuratively or literally run away. Uh, and then they say, I don't want anything to do with this. This is why we see people kind of strong arm and think if we could just legislate what everybody else out there is doing, if we could just get them to behave properly, then I would be just right. Uh, and so we work at it in all kinds of ways. And ultimately, it's what can lead us to a place where we would sit for years or decades of our lives going through the motions of religious activities, but missing the engagement with the, the living, loving God who longs to grow in us those springs of living water. This is not a new issue to faith. This is not something that uh, we've just come up with in the 21st century. In fact, you can go back to the origins of faith to see that this in some ways was the world that the original followers of Jesus dealt with. Uh, that while we find in our world today that perhaps people are more resistant to the way of Jesus, that our culture isn't as supportive of following Jesus as maybe it once was, that was the world in which the, the original followers of Jesus found themselves day in and day out. Uh, in fact, the book of Hebrews that I read from just a few minutes ago is really written 
for this whole mindset of people who were encountering struggle when they were following Jesus. That as they were taking seriously what they had found in Christ, and that they began to find opposition or the community around them would say, why are you wasting your time on that? Or uh, couldn't you just stay home and watch golf? Or couldn't you take a trip that weekend? Or couldn't you do all kinds of other things? That they began to say, uh, you know what, this isn't worth it. And they began to walk away. And so the writer of the book of Hebrews comes along and says, I want to address this issue of what we see of people in faith. That people in faith are beginning to act like the world, where they're trying to make their life just right. They're watering down their faith. They're getting away. They're giving up what it was they believed. And I want to challenge that because they're going to miss the fullness of what God longs for their life. And so if you track through the whole book of Hebrews, what you will see is that the writer takes every single thing that, that they could possibly think of, every way of believing that they knew before Jesus, every old cultural religious idea, every Old Testament principle where they might have said, you know, what we did in the, the old time was better than what we do now. Uh, and he just kind of systematically, like a lawyer kind of presenting some kind of legal document, he works through all of these things that the world would say uh, were, were better and worth more than following Christ. And he just proves over and over again, right out of Scripture, right out of experience, to say that Jesus is supreme. And he says Jesus is the very radiance of God. That Jesus is the imprint of God. Uh, and that anything that the world or old-time religion or uh, religious activity, anything that it might throw at us as an argument to say that this is better than what following Jesus looks like, of persevering full on into our faith, that anything the world can throw at us doesn't even begin to touch Jesus because Jesus and the gospel that he offers is supreme above every single thing else that we could find in the world. As he makes this argument, he's kind of worked his way through 10 chapters of the book of Hebrews and he comes to the chapter right before the text that I read this morning. And to kind of drive the argument home, uh, he lists out a, a pantheon of people uh, in the Old Testament world that every single reader would have known. Uh, and he walks through all of these examples. He says, these are people who modeled not trying to live a just right life. These are people who, when the going got tough or when the struggles from society were real, they didn't push back. They didn't get away. They didn't check out. These are people who we can look at as poster children of what it looks like to have a life of faith that endures hardship that perseveres in the face of adversity, and that ultimately comes out finding that the promise of God is better than what we can have on our own. He works through this whole list and ultimately ends with the text that I read just a few moments ago, that even Jesus is the perfecter and the pioneer of our faith, that we can look at him as the one who endured great scorn and shame, of the one who gave himself up even at the cost of his life. And even though he went through hardship, even though there was resistance to him, that he now knows the joy of sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. And that that is the life that you and I know when we don't just settle for a just right life, but we push in to say, we want more. Persevering in the way of Jesus is the way to ultimate life. Let me say that again. Persevering in the way of Jesus is the way to ultimate life. That's the heart of this text. But it's more than just some like clinical or theoretical lesson for us to learn. Because today it gets real. It's not just about pages from the Bible of yesteryear. Uh, today we celebrate life in this place. 
Today, we celebrate saints who have gone before us. Today, on the front of your bulletin, what you see is stories not just of people from Hebrews 11, but stories from First United Methodist Church Opelika. People who've lived a lifetime seeking to live their way. The people who've persevered, who have made their way to the finish line. The people who now this day have heard those faithful words, well done, good and faithful servant. Today, we add the illustration of these saints before us to say that it's not just something in theory, but to say that there are people that we have in our midst who can testify to what it looks like to make their faith central to their life, to make their faith something that defines who they are, to make their faith what rises and falls everything else in who they are. And today, we add their story into the picture of what it looks like to persevere in the way of Jesus. And it, it is the definition of ultimate life. I guess if you were to stop and think about all this together, to think about that text, to think about these saints, to think about this renovation project, the answer to the question why the renovation is because we want more lifetimes like this. Because what we know is that a day is coming when none of us will be here. All of us are terminal. All of us, uh, our days will, will, are numbered. All of us will find a day when no longer do we continue in this place. And yet, we don't want to take with us the story of faith. That what we see today is lives that we're celebrating, that persevered, that found the ultimate gift in Christ. And what we long to see is chapters of this story uh, that are increasing and not decreasing. That we long to see our kids and our grandkids and our neighbors and the forgotten people of this community that they might come to have a lifetime as a follower of Jesus too. That they might come to be people who one day someone will gather in this space or some space like it. That someday people will gather and in whatever way is appropriate in that time and day, that they will remember and celebrate that there are people who were lifetime followers of Jesus. That they persevered in the face of adversity. That they pressed on when the world told them just to live a just right life or to water everything down. That they realized that there was more to what God offered than just what the world around them might say. We renovate because we long for stories like this. We long for more of saints like this. We long for tables that are too small to hold the candles that we celebrate because of the number of lives that we've impacted together. The world makes it easy to push away. The world tells us that it's easy to pursue a life and a faith where everything is just right. But we renovate because a Goldilocks faith is not what Jesus invites us to. We renovate because persevering in the way of Jesus is the ultimate way to life. And we long to be a church that's inviting people into this story, that's writing the next chapter, chapters, and that's advancing the call of Christ to this community and beyond. The answer to the question, why the renovation? is because we long to celebrate more lifetimes. Pray with me, please. Gracious God, we give You thanks for Your faithfulness and Your goodness. But we thank You that You have led the way as the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. And Lord, we pray that You would help us become a people. That when the world around us or the conditions of a renovation may say it's easier to check out and just wait till things are easier and just right, that we would press in, that we would persevere, and that we might find in that the ultimate way of life. And Lord, we pray together as your church for the stories that you yet long to write in us and through us, 
for the community around us, for this county and this region, and for the ways that you long to draw people into your story, that one day they too might be celebrated with those words, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, help us be a church that seeks after you, that seeks your way and your will and all we do. We pray this in the strong and mighty name of our Savior Jesus and all God's children said, Amen.